0: Welcome to Opinionated with Ben Schiller. Ben is a features editor at CoinDesk. He's a seasoned business journalist, and he'll be talking with some of the most fascinating contributors to CoinDesk daily opinion section. Ben is joined by two CoinDesk reporters, co-host Anna Batakova and Danny Nelson. This episode is sponsored by Unique One Network. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.
1: Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Ben Schiller from Coindesk, and this is Opinionated, and I'm joined here by Anna Bedakova.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And by Sebastian Serrano, who's uh, the CEO of Ripio. Hi, Sebastian. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming on. So, Ripio, just tell everyone what that is exactly. It's a well-known exchange in Latin America.
3: Yes, so we like to describe ourselves as a crypto platform to give access to people in South America. Uh, We currently have over 2 million users, mostly between Argentina and Brazil, and we were born in 2013, this is already eight years of a company, with a mission to bring access to cryptocurrencies to the region.
1: And how would you say you've seen adoption over that time? I mean, you, you must have seen a lot of kind of troughs and uh, rises and falls. I mean, how would you say that it's uh, kind of progressed in that time?
3: Yeah, I think like it, it's, it's similar to the process that has been seen everywhere. I think like all technologies have cycles of adoption. The most normal way to see it is kind of like an S curve and like think that it's a smooth ride, but actually it's not. But in crypto, because of the fact that, that there is a price and that you can see it in a chart, that gets reinforced strongly. So we are seeing like these extreme cycles of adoption that kind of like have like a four-year cycle. And to give you a sense, early last year, we had about 400,000 users and we are now on close to 2 million. So it's been wow. like a meteoric rise. and it, and the industry has these cycles that, that are basically ingrained like there is a lot of users that come in that brings a lot of interest. That also brings a lot of investment. A lot of developers and entrepreneurs enter the space. There is a lot of innovation happening, a lot of development happening. And that kind of like needs a period of maturing and that kind of like seeds the next phase. And I think we are seeing that right now. We're seeing a lot of investment. We're seeing a lot of like, new people coming in. Not only users, also developers, entrepreneurs, investors that are seeding the next phase of the market.
1: So obviously the big news out of Latin America recently has been the adoption by uh, El Salvador of uh, Bitcoin as legal tender. So that was a, a very exciting news. We spoke with Jack Mallows yesterday, uh, CEO of a strike. And he described it as the most important moment in Bitcoin's history and maybe one of the most important moments in history. So I'm just wondering how much impact that has for you as a cryptocurrency business in the region. I mean, does this kind of gin up excitement in Bitcoin generally and bring more users to you? Or do you think it's more related to the market?
3: I think it's like... It hasn't been that impactful in the countries that we have most of our user base, which are more South American and, and so that is Central American. I do think that it's going to be in history, like looking it back many years from now, I think it's going to be a key moment. I'm not entirely sure this is going to be 100% good, that's just to be seen. And I personally have a, a few concerns about, like, kind of like the philosophy behind what we're building and, and to impose things. But it's definitely going to be something that's brought a lot of attention and is you know, something that is making a lot of regulators start to think deeper and raise a lot of questions regarding of our legal frameworks.
2: So you do think that this move by El Salvador will have a profound impact on the country, on the well-being of El Salvadorans, on the region at large, and it will not be just a momentous hype that people will just forget a couple years later?
3: I do think it's going to be impactful to El Salvador, but it's to be seen Is like if you can impose the adoption of a technology.
2: Can we just go deeper uh in these implementations like how exactly this move can change the life of uh Salvadorans and maybe from this we can also go to a larger question of what Bitcoin and crypto is in general for people in Latin America, what they use it for and how it can solve the problems that they face in their lives.
3: Yeah so Going in like more general into crypto makes a lot of sense in in emerging markets. Like just talking from personal experience, like I, I'm currently in Argentina, I grew up in, in Patagonia, and in my life, I've seen three different currencies. Like when I was a kid, we had Australis, then we went through hyperinflation, complete demonetization of the money of the country, and then going into high school, we had to completely replace it, the currency, the country defaulted to its debts, and my family lost a lot of money during that process. When I was going to college, it happened again, and there were no longer convertibles. The country went again into a major crisis in 2001, and it goes into very cyclical crises that are root in how mismanaged the country's currency has been. There are different cases uh, across the region, but almost every country has, has gone through similar experiences. And we see a lot of weak currencies across the region. And not only that, like close to half of the population, depending on the, on the country, don't have access to banking or financial services, formal or semi-formal. And I think there is a huge opportunity, and we're seeing it in, in adoption and of crypto and fintech technology for giving access to people to to financial services for the first time. And that is something that can be extremely impactful. in the case of El Salvador, a lot of the GDP is related to remittances. It depends on remittances. Crypto is extremely efficient in that use case of doing international transfers. Tens of thousands of users buy regularly crypto in, in Argentina and Brazil to send it back to Venezuela for their families and there is no other good way to do it that has a low cost is to use crypto.
0: There's so many blockchains and NFT marketplaces these days and none of them work together. Introducing unique one network. The easy way to build multi blockchain DeFi enabled NFT marketplaces, where instead of picking your favorite blockchain, you let your users and creators pick for themselves. Powered by Polkadot, Unique One Network lets you service NFT creators and collectors across art, photography, philanthropy, gaming, finance, and more. So, do yourself a favor and head over to UniqueOne.network now to learn more. That's UniqueOne.network to learn more.
2: I wonder if what changes then, if people are already using crypto for, uh, maybe somebody is using it for savings, somebody is using it to send money uh, across the border to their families. What changes theoretically when your government says that now it's illegal tender, you can use it to pay for things? Do you think it will change the, the way Salvadoras are using crypto, the way they deal with money and so on?
3: I think like the other things that they're doing, like the airdrop that they're thinking and the integrations with the wallets that they're doing with the things that are going to be impactful more than the law itself, the law does bring a lot of questions in other countries and internally in the relationship that financial institutions had with it. It makes it easier, for example, for banks to integrate it, to have less questions from their legal departments because there is a law that says that it's legal gender. You know, in many other countries, there are many great areas into, for a bank into use or a traditional financial institution to integrate crypto. We, we see examples in Mexico of banks that are trying to integrate Bitcoin and it's not very clear. That makes it hard for them. Having a law is going to make a lot easier for the existing infrastructure to integrate with it. I think users of crypto having so many alternatives that are open source and like available for anyone, that is less a requirement. And it does bring some other questions in other countries like, now that is legal tender in a country, is this a foreign currency? Mm. Uh, from a legal standpoint, if a currency is legal in another country, then it could be considered a foreign currency in another one. That brings a lot of other questions.
1: You mentioned earlier that you had a bit of a problem with the mandate in the law that requires, I think, quote, is every economic agent must accept Bitcoin as payment when offered to him by whoever acquires a good or service. This is Article 7 of the law. And this has led to some debate and controversy with some people on the, right-wing, particularly saying that this is kind of antithetical to the ethos of of Bitcoin, which is obviously supposed to be voluntary and and peer-to-peer and outside the control of government. Why do you have a problem with the mandate? Isn't this a way of uh, encouraging people to use this?
3: I I believe in freedom. I I started working on this industry and uh, for this technology because I believe in that ethos of freedom on openness and uh, that that we're able to create uh, this technological artifact uh, that we can all audit um, and like that and we don't rely from a central authority to know how many bitcoins are going to be or how many are in existence and that we can check the state of the network and it's free and open as the internet and that i think is what breaks uh, against the, the itis on the other side like that's the only way that you can be legal tender like, that means to be legal tender so if you want to make something legal tender you had to make that law you had to make a law that forces people to clear their debts in that currency
1: if you were king of uh, El Salvador or king of uh, Argentina and you wanted to solve some of these remittance problems or problems with financial service access, would you use Bitcoin uh, to be the solution? Would you mandate Bitcoin or would you look to some other chain or, or coin to do that?
3: If I was king of Argentina or El Salvador, I would start buying crypto for this central bank reserve. It's a first moment so that, that way you can... Say that your currency is being backed by crypto, that will be very easy and it won't be that controversial. You see how many companies are doing it with their treasury. So the first thing I will do is like, I will buy Bitcoin for the central bank. And then the good thing I see about this law is that it takes out one of the issues that crypto has in many countries, that is that you have to pay winnings uh, when you trade it. But being a currency, it It does not. I will address that. That that will make it much easier to be used for payment. We don't have to be doing a lot of accounting for using it on on payments. And I will do an airdrop. I I will (laughs) definitely do an airdrop.
2: I would argue that buying a large amount of crypto for a country's treasury would be a controversial as hell move and would probably cause so much criticism from the opposition, even though King would not have an opposition in his country. But the IMF probably will have a lot of questions for a nation like that.
1: But don't nations buy other currencies uh, from other countries? I mean, China's bought half of the U.S. national debt. Nobody thinks that's very strange.
3: We've seen it like two Lars's unicorns of Argentina have already bought crypto for the treasury. Uh, You won't be the first entity buying uh, Bitcoin for your treasury.
2: Right. But, you know, the country, the private company are two very different things.
3: The CEO Uh, is the king of the company.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We need more Michael sailors as head of nations. So we're talking about this kind of Michael Saylor energy again, when it's slightly resembling gambling probably something you can do with a private company. But when you're in charge of the economy of the entire nation, you, you basically are saying that buying crypto for treasuries is a kind of a, a more reliable move, a better move than you know betting on other currencies and on the country's own economy, how does that actually help solve the problems that the Latin American nations are facing in their economies right now?
3: It's an easier way to solve how you want to make it more used and adopt. By having, like, let's say, like 1-5% of the central bank treasury being in crypto, you're signaling that is legal. You're signaling that is a strategy that you can also follow. As the country, you can, as an individual, store wealth and use it as a store of value in the same way that the nation is is doing it. And you don't have to force people to accept it as a a means of payment. Every country is kind of like behaving lately as an emerging market. You see almost every country over the last year and a half since COVID abusing their monetary system for short-term solutions and that's going to have a strong impact i don't think from a monetary policy perspective it's going to be very difficult to maintain the strength of your currency if your reserves are in dollars
2: now the latin america in in general has a lot of attention from the crypto community uh el salvador in particular but other countries i think as well and some startups are looking if they want to expand to that market. If you can speak a bit about your problems and challenges as an entrepreneur in this region, is it easier to be a crypto entrepreneur?
3: Not easy to be a crypto entrepreneur in anywhere. Like you can look at the filing of Coinbase and they say that one of the big risks is that they could be the bank. Uh, like one of the risks of Coinbase is that they could lose their bank account. Uh, And that that is true everywhere. For a company like us, that we're providing access uh, and kind of like bridging the old system with a new one, that is always a challenge on like building the infrastructure. And that infrastructure is weaker to in emerging market. And the other thing that we work a lot and is also a challenge is that there is less financial education, kind of like... Our work has two sides. One is like building the tools. One is building the infrastructure, the apps, the code, the technology. And the other side of our work is like is create content, is do educational material and give the power to empower the user so that they can make the most of this technology.
2: Do you have to deal with corruption often?
3: No of course we even have like an integrity manual and procedures. There is corruption, in, but we we work in a way that we try to avoid it. But there's definitely one of the main issues of emerging markets and South America. And I think it's one of the reasons I think this technology is gonna be uh, so impactful because there is so much lack of trust in institutions. One of the key properties of blockchains and this technology is that we can build machines that we can trust and we can create code. And I think smart contracts are beautiful for this. And what we're seeing on DAOs and systems that are open that can be audited and they are not controlled by the hardware. They're not controlled by the owners of the infrastructure. That's an extreme flip of power. Crypto flips the power
1: Thanks very much for coming on the show and talking about that and uh, talking about the whole region when you're uh, only in Argentina. So thanks thanks for talking about all that and all the macro stuff. It's going to be fascinating to watch your business and how it all develops in Argentina
3: and generally. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you, Sebastian.
1: Hi, this has been Opinionated and thanks for listening in and we'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller and Anna Baragova and guest Sebastian Serrano. Today's show is produced, edited, and announced by Michelle Mousseau with music by Ender. Have any questions or comments? Send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.